1: The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's Baseball. From baseball's top personalities. The great
0: Chris Russo joins us once again. To the game's top players. Joining us is the all-star. Matt
1: Chapman with us. You never know what stories you're going to hear. If you make your way down here, I, I might be able to
2: make some time and go out there and see the great Chris Townsend. This,
1: this? is A's
0: Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. It's time now for another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. And today we're going to have A's catcher, Sean Murphy, former A and A's broadcaster on NBC Sports California, Bip Roberts, and A's scout and also broadcaster for NBC Sports California, Shooty Babbitt. But Sean Murphy, we got him on the program to talk about. He's up for all MLB team. As a rookie, pretty big deal. Here is the backstop. Sean, we truly appreciate you coming on here in the off season, and congratulations on being up for the All MLB team. Uh, thank you very much. We, we, what did you think about when you first heard that you were on the ballot?
3: Uh, I mean, it's a it's a great honor. Uh, I saw some of the other guys on the ballot, and uh, you know, I think everybody's really deserving to be there.
0: Yeah, it is, a, it is a really strong ballot. It's a who's who of Major League Baseball. And just, you know, looking back at your season, you had a terrific season. What was it like first year starting, but obviously in a shortened season because of a pandemic?
3: Um, you know, it's a, it's a different rookie season, I'd say, for most guys, um, you know, being a 60-game sprint. Uh, so every game mattered, you know, that much more. Every game counted for three, so the the pressure was on, you know, right from the get go. Uh,
0: no doubt about that. And when I think about your career, you know, when you first came up in 2019, how did that brief 20 game stretch for you in 2019 help you for 2020?
3: Uh, I mean, a lot. Just kind of getting your feet wet, uh, understanding the speed of the game. So you know, I could go into the offseason, you know, prepare for seeing more of that.
0: And a huge thing, we always talk to Ray Fossey about this, you know, we're going to love the offense. And you look at the seven home runs, 14 RBIs, the 821 OPS. But the thing uh, that you did this year, handling the pitching staff and a pitching staff for a team that won the division, how important is it to you that we talk about the conversation about your relationship and the way you handled the pitching staff more than probably your offense?
3: I mean that's where you know I put the most the most pride into my game. Um, but you know the the guys we had on the mound, the, the five stars this year, um, and, and the guys out of Penn were really important um, as far as you know building relationships and hanging with me and communicating with me and uh, making sure you know everything was as seamless as possible uh, as far as having a rookie catcher. And uh, you know some of those those veterans around like you know Hughes and Mike and, and Bassett they were they were huge for me this year.
0: And I think about just all the technology that is at your fingertips that maybe not necessarily there in the minor leagues. So when you first come up and you have all this technology to help you learn the opposing hitters, what is that like going through that process?
3: Uh, Yeah, It can be overwhelming, especially when you first get there and they walk you through, you know, all the information we have, which is more than any person you can remember in a lifetime. Uh, So, you know, Marcus and, uh, we're Merck's a bullpen coach, and Scott Emerson do a great job of kind of distilling it down into a something I can understand and take out into the game uh, and keep it simple.
0: And how important is it for you to really learn the strengths, the weaknesses uh, of the pitchers that are out there, and you're throwing down the signs? How important is you, you, you really know every guy, what, what, what's good, what's bad, and how he ticks?
3: Yeah, uh, exactly. You know, you got to know what's and what he does well compared to what the hitter does well. You know, are we going to pitch to our strengths? Are we Are going to pitch to his weakness, you know, at certain points in the game, depending on the score and, and whatnot? And, uh, you know, getting used to a guy helps you understand what's working for him that day and, and what's not, so you can adjust on the fly.
0: Yeah, that's a crazy thing that people don't understand about pitching is you can go down to the bullpen, you can warm up, and something that's working great in the bullpen now go into the game and it doesn't work, or something that didn't work when you're warming up in the bullpen is now a go-to for you. I mean, talk about that, how just the way things change inning by inning, batter by batter for pitchers.
3: I mean, yeah, that's that's, uh, that's the name of the game. You just kind of have to make those decisions, and it's one of the quirks of it is that, again, a guy might not be able to locate anything whatsoever in the bullpen and they get on the mound and be great. Uh, same thing for hitters. The amount of times you take a terrible BP before the game and you go out and get a couple knocks, you know, yeah, you have great BP and go on and go over. It just happens like that.
0: Well, watching a lot of your BP, you don't have uh, too many bad BPs, and uh, the power was definitely there this year. You know, when, when we talked to Bob Melvin about you. And, and, by the way, how great is it when your manager is also a guy who is a former catcher and he knows exactly what you're going through?
3: No, oh, it's great. Um, you know, has another another person to bounce ideas off and be uh, a sounding board. And he's watching me the whole game, so he can he can let me know if I'm doing something he doesn't like or does not like. But uh, he also understands what you know we're dealing with back there too.
0: And he sees you as a middle of the order hitter. I mean, have you thought about that? And have you talked with Bob about that? And, and you know, about your progression as a hitter.
3: I mean, sure, absolutely. You know, I'd love to hit in the middle of the order. Um, no, that's a uh, big responsibility but uh, you know I think I can handle it.
0: So what was it like being in the postseason now of course t- 2019 but I mean this one was crazy you got the the series against the White Sox then you're taking on the Houston Astros more playoff games than we've ever seen before after a shortened season what was that like for
3: you? You know it was kind of it was kind of wild uh, you know being in the bubble and everybody getting kind of locked in their hotel rooms and it was a different experience. Uh, hopefully, we will never have to do that again. But I can say I was a part of it. You know, and
0: what was it like leaving the bubble and going back home?
3: Uh, you know, it was it was disappointing that we had to leave the bubble. Um, it was also kind of nice to get home, and be able to uh, just go outside. Uh, you know, leave your house and drive around a little bit is nice. But uh, you know, the season didn't end you know, ended too soon. So he would have liked to stay in the bubble a little longer.
0: Yeah, no doubt, and, and and I I think the the thing about uh, you got to part, participate last year in the wild card game. I know there was disappointment after that wild card loss. I know there's major disappointment now uh, losing to the Houston Astros. Just how hungry and how much do you think you guys are going to think about this as you'll prepare for 2021 with the expectations of winning the World
3: Series. I mean, it stung a lot, uh, you know, losing to those guys uh, the way we did. You know, as a team, we we were beating all, all regular season. But, uh, you know, credit to them. They you know they came out and they swung it about as well as any team that swung against us all year. Um, you know, they were the better team. But it, uh, it stings that it was those guys.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. It, it's, it. It's become a very good rivalry. And talking about their hitters plus your hitters – as a guy that was calling the game there at Dodger Stadium, were you just shocked about how many home runs were being hit and how the ball was flying at a Dodger Stadium where traditionally it's been known as a pitcher's ballpark? I mean it, it looked like a bandbox.
3: It did. Um, I didn't have too much, you know, experience at Dodger Stadium, but I guess, you know, we played all those day games there and uh, you know it flies much better in the day. You know, I didn't have anything any reference against it, so Um, I was just going off what people told me, but yeah, it was fine.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was, it definitely looked like a a juice baseball. There's no question about that. So now you go into the off season and you're hungry and I know you're going to be ready to go for 2021. Uh, What are you going to concentrate on getting better yourself here for next
3: season? Uh, Just continuing everything. Um, I do anything different, just trusting the process and what's gotten me here. So just more of the same. Or, you know, hitting off the machines and uh, working on framing and blocking, all that stuff, you know, that goes into it.
0: Sean, thank you so much for the time. We truly appreciate it. Congratulations on being a part of this all-MLB team that uh, you're going to have a chance to be on. Voting start, uh, stops tomorrow. But be well, be safe, and we'll talk soon.
3: All right. Thank you very much. Have a good one.
0: This kid is going to be special, no question about it. Speaking of special, I say it all the time. He's one of my favorites. Grew up watching him play, uh, and then it's been an honor to getting to know him, work with him. Bip Roberts truly is a great guy. He was a terrific player and does an outstanding job on NBC Sports California covering A's pre and post game live. Here is Bip Roberts. Well, now join us here on A's Cast Live. He's one of our all time favorites. It's gonna be a while before we see him on NBC Sports California on A's pre and post game live but the all-star bip roberts is with us bipster i can't believe this is going to be a long off season
2: wow you said it man i mean <laughs> short season long off season that, that that's not a good recipe for success when it comes to guys like us who love baseball and like to be around it so I don't know what you like to do, but you're going to have to find another hobby right now, though, man. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I hear you. All of a sudden, I'm playing a lot of golf again, and uh, just just being outside is a nice thing.
2: It is. You know, I finally found me a nice walk where I could go up hills, break a sweat, come back home and feel like I did a workout because, you know, I don't touch the gyms anymore. I'm a little leery of going into a gym, but. Being outside, like you say, getting fresh air and, and not having to wear a mask because no one's around, you know, it's kind of a, a sense of normalcy when, when you think about what we're in right now. So, yeah, I enjoy being outside.
0: Let's uh, recap that World Series. What do you think about the Dodgers finally pulling it off and taking down the Rays? Uh,
2: amazing, amazing. I thought both teams fought and both teams wanted to win, and you could see that in the passion as to how they played. The Dodgers are just unbelievable when you talk about that lineup that they featured out there with rookie Best at the top of the lineup and Sager behind him. Those two guys, I mean, they just caused havoc the entire playoffs and even in the world series. I just thought the Dodgers pitching stepped up when it needed to, you know, it looked like at times the bullpen was going to come up short, but I thought Dave Roberts did a great job of mixing and matching his guys and getting guys in that situation where they could help the team win. So, They pulled it out. I was happy for Dave. I was happy for Mookie, you know, two guys that I know personally. And, um, you know, that Dodger team in Los Angeles, they just got a spirit above that's kind of coaxing them right through through the finish line. You know, that that Mamba mentality is is prevalent in L.A.
0: Well, I got to tell you, Dave Roberts, uh, one of the good guys in our game, no question about it. And then you start to think about Mookie's career – and at this point in your prime, you got the big contract. You don't have to worry about money. And you start thinking about a Hall of Fame resume. Well, you win a World Series in Boston. You win a World Series in L.A. And you put up the numbers. He's starting to pave that path to Cooperstown, New York.
2: I think so. And, and he's starting to become a household name. You know how baseball is. They don't market players. And it takes a while for people to know who you are, even when you're a great player. You know, if Mookie walks down the street now, people may now start to know who he is. But had he done that two years ago, I don't know how many people would know Mookie. You know, if you walk down the street and I walk down the street with Mookie here in in, in the East Bay, they would know us more than they do Mookie. And he's a great player, Hall of Famer, like you said, as long as he continues this, this route he's on and You know, I I just think this guy is a six-tool player. He's got more than five tools, and that leadership becomes that six-tool. And I think him coming over to the Dodgers was, as they used to say, the straw that mixes the drink. Um, What a tremendous asset. What a tremendous player. What a tremendous guy. And then when you look at him, when he did not swing the bat well, he played well on defense. And then when he turned it around on offense, he helped jumpstart that team to win. And so he's a total package. And I think something that has really gone unsaid that Mookie has really brought, has brought a lot of pride in the African-American community, where now you see a Black ball player on the field actually having fun and balling. And so all these kids now, they can look and say, you know, I can do that if he can do that. It's kind of how it was when we were kids. We could look out there and see Reggie Jackson, Billy North, Ricky Henderson, these guys, Dave Stewart, and then we could say to ourselves, you know what, I think I could play baseball. And regardless of how long it takes, I'll I'll give up that time to make it. So I think Mookie has been tremendous in the community. And above all, he's been a great baseball player and a great ambassador to who the Dodgers are right now.
0: And wouldn't you say the fact that he's doing that in Los Angeles in a market that size – to where some of these African-American kids can see him, not only nationally, but also in the greater Southern California area makes it it makes it so big.
2: It, it does because, you know, they have that MLB, MLB Academy down there in Compton. And there's a lot of young brothers out there playing ball, and, and they don't really see that idol or that guy that they want to be like. You know, L.A. didn't have many guys like Mookie. So when you see a guy like Mookie come to L.A., and you see what he's capable of doing and, and and the talent that he has, these guys now can say, you know what, let me scout this guy and see what he does well and what I do well, compare my skills to his. And if, if you can get close to the levels that he is, you know you have a shot to make it now. So I, I think that's just tremendous because, you know, Eric Davis and all those guys down there in L.A., they do a great job with those kids. And I think they needed to have someone like Mookie show up on the scene so that these kids could see something that resembles what they can do, and, and I think that's just tremendous for, the, for Southern California.
0: So, Bib, heading into this offseason, it is the offseason of the absolute unknown. What mm-hmm. do you think it would be like if you're a player who's a free agent, or your option wasn't picked up, or all of a sudden, you know, there's this market's going to be flooded with players. What do you think it's going to be like for these guys that are going to have their options open?
2: Well, I think it's a little confusing to the guys because a lot of these guys that are going to be out there can play. And and it's it's, it's, it's one of those things where guys who can play always have a job somewhere, at least you would think. But when you start looking around and you see some of the names that are out there, you're starting to think, okay, wait a minute. What, what do they have in common that – their option wasn't picked up. Is it their age? Because we know these guys could still play. So when you see a guy like Marcus Simeon not being offered or tendered an offer, you start to wonder, how is he evaluated? And and when you evaluate him, what do you come up with? And so, you know, it's just unfortunate, we knew Liam, you know, we knew he had a great season. And so you know, there are going to be people looking to, to snatch him up, and they don't care how much they pay for a reliever like that, especially a closer who's as aggressive and throws the ball as hard as Liam does. But when you start looking at where Marcus is right now, you wonder exactly where he's going to end up. Who needs that shortstop? The one thing I do know about Marcus is that he's respected around the league. You know, when you watch him on that field and guys slide in the second base from the other team or standing out there next to him, You're always, I could see encouraging him and saying, hey, man, you're a great player. And I think, you know, somebody's going to take a a chance on Marcus. Maybe it's going to be the New York Mets. Who knows? I mean, but there are teams out there that need a shortstop. And not only just a shortstop, but a leader. Marcus is a leader. And so I would hate to see Oakland lose a leader like Marcus, especially a local boy. Because again, it would go back to, well, why aren't the A's keeping their great players? But in a situation like this, you know, Marcus is a free agent, and now, you know, his destiny is in his own hands. He can decide where he wants to go. Unrestricted free agent. There's no compensation coming back. That's the one reason why I didn't understand why he wasn't tender. But, you know, this is how baseball. Every, this 2020 has been strange all the way around. You know, he struggled at the plate, but he found it in the playoffs. You want guys who can play in the playoffs. That's where the sun shines. It's where the lights are brighter, and, and that's where you get to to build a legacy and, and Marcus played well at the playoffs. So I know he's going to, he's going to find a home somewhere. I just wish it would be at Oakland.
0: You know, Bip, everything is going to be so strange that, you know, the new CBA is going to come up after the end of this season. And, and, you know, I, I, the, my God, we got to beat this virus at some point. I, would this just be, would this just be a situation where it would be like, get the best possible one-year deal you can for you from a standpoint, obviously financially, but also, you know, you want the promise that, you know, you're going to have a spot, you're going to have playing time, you're going to get at-bats, you're going to get innings. Uh, Would you look at that? I mean, would you want the long-term deal now, or would you want a one-year deal?
2: Well, I think if I was in a situation where I was comfortable with the team, I would want that one-year deal so that again, I could show my value and show my worth in the clubhouse. And I just believe that where you are comfortable right now is where you should remain. Because as you said, with this virus and the unknown out there, for you to take a family and move it across country into a zone that's hot, and all of a sudden now you become sick or whatever it may be, you know, that's a gamble that you would take. But I just believe for caution and for safety and if you're in a place right now where you're safe, you want to remain there. So if, if it's me, I would look, I would want to stay here in California as we seem to have are starting to do the right thing when it comes to this virus. And, you know, with family here and, and comfort and, and, and just being familiar with everything as far as my routine, what I do day in and day out, and I'm comfortable with that. That's where I would want to remain. I, right now, with everything happening, I don't think I want to pack up and travel somewhere else. And fall into that unknown. I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable. And mentally, if you're not comfortable, I don't know if you would play well. So I would want to be somewhere where I'm comfortable and that I could keep my mind, uh, what would you say, uh, in a restful state of mind to where I could perform.
0: That's interesting how you put that. Yeah, you because know, a lot of these guys, they got young families, it's schools, it's, you know, if you've got older kids, you're probably the family's not going to show up uh, until school's out. You know, whether, you know, some of them live in Arizona or Florida or Texas. But if you're a younger father and you got young kids and uh, yeah, that's set. That, I didn't think about that bit that where the virus could actually make potentially the decision for you where you want to play.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look at the map of the United States and you see the red zones, you know, they have teams in those red zones. And to take your family out there right now, you know, these young guys are smart. They're not gonna put themselves in jeopardy of catching this virus if they don't have to. Now, if you were a free agent and you had no job and, and it was like, you know, the last week of, out before the season started, and you needed to, to, to take that contract to be on the team, then I could understand that. But if you're in a position right now where you can negotiate with that current team and find you a deal that you feel comfortable, because it's not about what everybody else is doing. You know, Mookie and those guys—they're going to get the large contracts because these guys are still in their young 20s; they're still young. But when you get to a certain age, you got to play it smart, you know. You can only spend so much, and I definitely don't want to count anyone else's money, but there's only so much that you need in order to be happy. But I think happiness is more than just the money. Happiness is feeling safe, secure, and understanding that, hey, when I walk out this door, I will be coming back, and I will not be bringing a virus to my family. But now you go somewhere where you don't know, and you're not familiar, you could end up somewhere and not know where you are and bring that virus back home. So, you know, it's it's just one of those things where you have to really think about it. You got to pray on it and you got to get that word back into your soul that makes you comfortable. And whatever you're comfortable with, that's what you go with.
0: And I just thought of this now that you brought that up. This might be a good uh, a good time to chase a World Series. If everybody. If there's going to be just a bunch of, you know, because if, if you're a player of a certain skill set, you're not signing a one-year deal. Like, you're making a commitment, I'm going to sign, I don't know, just pick a place. I'm signing Texas or Colorado or Milwaukee or Kansas City or San Francisco, L.A., Anaheim. But in what we're going to potentially be going to in 2021, and if we're all saying, yeah, it might be better for some guys just to sign a one-year deal this might be a great year to hunt for a World Series ring because you can, you know, pick that one team you think's got a really good shot and you're only making a one-year commitment.
2: Right, right. You got a one-year commitment. You're going to be on a great team. You know you're going to get to the playoffs. You may win that World Series. And when you win the World Series, everyone's going to be knocking on your door. And it's only a one-year deal. Now you can choose the place that you want to go to where you feel comfortable and you want to move your family to. So I agree with you. This would be a great year for these guys who are out there right now to find a team where they feel can win that World Series, sign a one year deal, build up that again, build up that reputation of what type of player you are, and then cash in on it. Because everybody wants to cash in on their talents right now. As you see, there's so many large contracts out there for these great players that everyone who puts on a uniform has that same opportunity to get that same value. So You got to take advantage of it. You get one time through this. You can't come back next 20 years from now and say, I want to do this again. You got to do it right the first time so that when it's over, you can at least tell yourself and feel like you did all the right things to get to this point to where now you retire and you have no regrets. And I think that's what most of the players want to do. They want to retire and have no regrets.
0: Well, I, I think for a team like the Athletics, since, and I've been saying this all day today to everybody, Bip, I think since this is going to be a flooded market with so many different players, uh, I think it's going to be a good time for the A's to go shopping because now they're shopping. Yeah, they're shopping with everybody. It's not just like, oh, the Yankees will take this guy in the red side. So-. I, th- this is going to be probably more of a level playing field in the offseason than we've seen in a long time.
2: Yeah, because if you think about it, each team has lost an insurmountable amount of money. And so they're going to really be thinking with their pocketbooks right now, who we can sign, who we can't sign. Agents is going to have to understand if teams lost a lot of money, what the value is of their player. Everything is going to have to be recalculated to the point where it makes sense for each ball club and it makes sense for each player. You know, it's like a puzzle piece. It's like a puzzle now. You got to put the pieces together and they have to match. I just think that on both sides now, you're going to have to give a little leeway to each other. You're going to really have to work together instead of against each other. Players are going to have to understand that certain teams now, based on what happened this year, don't have that same equity that they had to give out and, and vice versa. So you're right. I think everybody's on an even playing field right now. The best players are going to go to the teams they feel that can win. And there are a few teams out there that can win. The A's can win. They need a few more players. And I think that what the league now understands is that is a great place to play. Great clubhouse, you know, great weather, a team that's put together to win, a team that loves to play together, like brothers in the clubhouse. So I think each and every player who's out there is probably going to be looking for that.
0: Well, let's end on this. Talk about making some money. Let's talk about your practice net, which obviously Christmas is going to be around the corner. Uh, Your net would make an unbelievable Christmas present. This is for baseball players, softball players. It's a great way to help your training.
2: Oh, yeah, the cutoff fan, that net that helps you get better and less reps in a shorter period of time, that even in your backyard right now with the COVID and you can't get out and practice with anyone, you have that cutoff stand. You can throw into a net that has a target. You can work on your double plays. You can work on your 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 you know, your one handed throws or one one leg throws. You can work on a lot of different throws right in your backyard. And when you get tired and you feel like, hey, I've had enough, you simply just go to the back of the, the net and take the bucket of balls and walk into the house instead of Emptying that net, and then having to pick up every ball. So it, it's very convenient for that one player or two players who just want to get out there and get their work in in a shorter amount of time. And it will get you better in a shorter amount of time.
0: And it was always teammate sports where you could go get it, but you can go get it in multiple places now.
2: So you get a teammate sports. We also have our um, – the president now is taking them home based on – you know, situation where where they were stored, the place caught on fire. (laughs) So they had to take it out of there and he's taking them all home. But he's still in Oakland. And, um, you know, you can still go to Teamate Sports and find it. And to those who are are really, you know, interested in in finding that place or or getting that number, then his name is Dave Dimery and he's at 510-228. 9828. He will answer the phone and sometimes he will deliver it to your home.
0: Give the number one more time.
2: If the number is 510-228-9828. And Dave Demery. That's my guy.
0: You're the best, Bibster. We'll talk soon. Be safe.
2: All right. You be safe out there, man. Take care of yourself and that family.
0: From one second baseman to another, he is truly one of the best scouts in the game. Shooty Babbitt and also one of the best-dressed guys in television when he is also on NBC Sports California doing A's pre- and post-game live. Here is Shooty Babbitt. Shooty, I miss you. How are you? How you doing today? I am doing wonderful. Good, good, great. What's up, bro? Uh You know, Shooty, we're just, wait. you know, we have learned, you know, because we had to deal with this last year. Um, we've learned that we can do a baseball show for many, many months without baseball. There's always something to talk about. And this offseason is really fascinating because the business of baseball will be different.
4: Well, a lot of people would think it's misfortune, but I think it's gold for uh, departments that, you know, really divulge in scouting. Um, there's a lot of guys out there that don't have jobs um, that are free agents that were looking to get paid i love to see what Marcus Stroman did. I mean, $19 million sitting on the table, I mean, that's like bird in the hand better than two in the bush. Uh, That's a lot of bread right there, not knowing what the uncertainty of the game is going to be in 2021. So, uh, yes, you know, the A's have always done a great job of finding value in places that other people kind of overlooked, and I guarantee you our guys are just salivating right now of all the possibilities, you know, that might be out there for the green and gold.
0: Yeah, and that's, uh, you know, a lot of people would think that, you know, oh, my God, that's bad, as we've been trying to tell people now. I mean, for a team like the A's, this this is an off season that could be very good because, let's face it, Judy, two straight years of winning 97 games, winning the division in the shortened season, wouldn't you say they left this season with a sour taste in their mouth and the A's are coming back and they're thinking about one thing, and that's winning a World Series in
4: 2021? no question and it will start with the starting rotation there's a couple of guys who underperformed might have popped your collar a little early um, start reading about things that people were saying about them and the potential and not understanding the magnitude of being in the moment as you watch what happened to ian Snell and the judgment that was made on him based on uh, all these different things uh knowing that he may never get in that position ever again. Uh, well, some of the A's pitchers were in that same situation. You've got to grab that moment. And to understand that you're on a team that um, thrives on getting in that position again, and it's a great time to be an Oakland A as a player because this is a good time for that team. Absolutely. They've got to be looking forward to it.
0: You know, I was trying to tell people before you came on, you know, we're, we're a little different here in Northern California. We're different per county but there is youth baseball going on i know there's been tournaments like in arizona and in texas you know talk about what has been out there because there are still kids out there to scout
4: you know i i, I just want to tip my hat to all the parents uh the coaches uh the people that are involved in um, amateur baseball and the things that they're trying to do to provide a place for the kids to have some safety and some outlet and get them out of the house of uh, some of these kids are in high school um thinking about what their future is going to be and what it holds for them and they've got to fight through some adversity right now but there are a lot of tournaments i was in arizona for a month uh down in peoria they're constantly having tournaments down there showcases if you will uh some of the high school coaches are trying to organize events where these guys can get looked at by certain people but it's a challenge um, basically what you're going to have to go on is the history on um, the research that you've had, the scouting, the eyes that you've had on these kids, uh, the resources, the people that you could talk to. There's a lot of video out there nowadays, but um, I'm going to tell you, I've been scouting for 27 years, and I like looking at hitters and pitchers, watching arm actions um, on video and breaking down their mechanics, but there is no replacement for getting out there, smelling the guy's breath, seeing that uh, sweat run down his face and what makes him go. So um, it's a challenge. I mean, last year, Tony, they only had five um, rounds in the draft. Had it been that way when I was coming up, I never wouldn't have got a chance. I was the 27th round draft pick. And there are a lot of kids that were in that same situation that didn't get the opportunity. So, man, it's, uh, it's a big challenge. But you know what? Um, they've got to find a way to get it done. You know, the off season is now. You know, I work with kids. Um, I train kids. I try to inspire kids to continue to keep their eyes on their dreams. Um, adversity is life. I think gymnasts are probably some of the most resilient um, athletes that we have because they fall down all the time, but they get right back up, you know what I mean? So there's a lot to be said about that. Well, everybody's down a little bit right now, but, man, we're all fighting to get back up. And, man, 2021, if we can get a hold on this pandemic right now and get things in line, I'm hoping that we can have – and I'm praying. I'm not going to say I'm hoping. I'm praying, you know, that – spring training to bring a bright some bright sunshine and some great baseball it's like you just explained my
0: golf game falling down and always trying to get back up
4: <laughs> <laughs> you know, always tee another one up even if it go out of bounds you got to go in your pocket and take your money and go on another one man <laughs> yeah you know, whenever
0: somebody's looking for their ball for a long time i always say hey buddy they'll make more let's go
4: <laughs> they oh, make new ones every day, Shooty. <laughs> well, the longer you're sitting there looking for balls, you'll find more, that's for sure. problem is <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: they used to be Pro-Vs, now they're Kirkland, so it's kind of scary. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to be positive, and I'm trying to think, you know, when we were growing up, Shooty, they wanted us to play football, basketball, baseball, run track, whatever, all the sports, so you weren't playing the same sport year-round. And I think there's no question that today's kids, that the fact that they're pitching year-round is not good for them long-term. And I'm just wondering, and since you work with kids, you coach them, you scout them, do you think this this off time for a lot of these young pitchers will be good for them long-term to kind of give them a break of not pitching in all these games year-round?
4: I think health-wise, yes. Um, as far as the maturation of their skill set, no. I already think that kids spend too much time in the house. And I think if we're trying to get kids involved and excited about the game, they have to be out there playing it. Um, I always thought that games, playing games, uh, exposed your game and it also taught you games. If I didn't have power and speed, you know, I always look at Chris Mullen, who I felt is one of the quickest, fastest players who never had any speed, you know, because he could speed you up, slow you down. He understood his own game. He understood his own speed, and he can impose his will on you. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that is by going out, competing against other kids with different skills and different talents and different sizes before you even know who you are. And I think the reason why the game is becoming the way that it is is because they're trying to make everybody be the same expect everybody to be able to do the same things that others have done and you and I both know county as playing up and growing up every time we showed up in the park there was somebody different somebody a little uh uh unorthodox but man the more you watch that an unorthodox uh thing about them is what was special and that's what made them good so I wish that all kids showed up with a sore arm when this pandemic is over with and learned that you have to be able to pitch. If you pay attention to the rookie of the year this year, Devin Williams for the Milwaukee Brewers, what made him different and better than every other reliever in the game is that he had a go-to plus changeup and he could tell you that it was coming and you still couldn't do anything with it because you couldn't time him. He disrupted your rhythm and that's why he was as good as he was. But that's a feel. That's a touch. That can't be taught. That's something that you learn on your own. So if you're not willing to go out and put the time in and find out what the game is all about, how much, how are you going to find out if you got in the game at all?
0: Do you think it was good for the Dodgers to win the World Series and especially the way they did it wasn't all about the home run? For God's sakes, they're hitting behind runners. They're stealing bases. They played some small. I didn't care
4: who won the World Series. Once the color wasn't green and gold, it didn't matter to me. But I will say this. The one thing that I did take away from it is that I think what enabled the Dodgers to win the World Series is that one manager didn't go with what he saw and what he felt. He went with something that was told and that was done in the past and not being able to live in the moment. And that was the difference. I mean, I, I I just can't get over that moment. There's some defining moments this year in 2020. When I look at the A season and I look at a defining moment in that season, I look at a 2-2 pitch that Sean Mania was throwing to George Springer. And Murphy set up down and inside. He wanted that slider down and in so he could set up that, that next pitch. Well, guess what? He threw it up and away because he didn't didn't feel it he wasn't comfortable he wasn't convicted and boy oh boy everybody in the world knew what the next pitch was gonna be and george springer shot him up out of the yard and you look at shamanaya's face and that pretty much exemplified you know the season for me with the a so when you talk about that world series and who won it tommy that's the one thing that i'm always going to remember that moment right there
0: well talking about home runs down at dodger stadium uh shooty what, what 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 kind of baseball were they using? Was that a jumpy ball? What what the what what the heck was that?
4: That was a Pro V One X with a solid mid core four layer. <laughs> <laughs> the amateurs don't get to play with those, bro. They was hot as rockets, man. It was leaving up out there, man. Unbelievable. You watch how San Diego turned into Slam Diego and all of that kind of stuff, man. The balls were lit up this year, and I know we're living in a different atmosphere and. The, The air was a little warm down there that time of the year, man. But everything that was squared up in the air was getting out of the yard. Well,
0: how about this? Scott Emerson has come on this program and said, not only are the balls juiced, but he goes, look at the bats. They don't break anymore. And when they do break, they become like weapons going through the air because the bats are so hard and it's so hard to break them as a scout, how do you evaluate players if they're playing with a juice ball and a juice bat?
4: You know, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, that is a really great question because um, during my tenure as a scout and I've watched the game evolve and I've watched players evolve, I watched pitchers who had an average fastball that was 92 that played – and now 92-mile-an-hour fastball is below average. I've never seen 96 and 97 so much in my entire life. Where is it coming from? You know, everybody have these different philosophies and these different ways, weighted balls, these different programs, throwing programs. Uh, you have to go by what you see. Uh, and that's all that you can evaluate. There's no – there was a time when – Little right-hand hitters didn't hit the ball. Oppo, Brett Boone all of a sudden hit 35 in safe cold when the left-handers had a difficult time getting the ball up out of the yard there. Well, we knew what era we were in there, and eventually we found out. Uh, there was a time when they had to start putting up nets down third base and first base, not just because of the foul balls, because of that scrap Luke wood that was being shot into the stands every time a guy made contact. Well, we haven't seen that a whole lot. Uh, so there's a lot to be said of what's happening in the outside. But now, Tony, if you ask me the difference between a curveball and slider, I can tell you that. But I can't answer some other questions for you, So brother. <laughs>
0: no, it's uh, it, it is crazy. The the you know equipment. I think we all can agree for sure has changed. You know, Judy, uh, working with kids. If you had to give advice. To a big leaguer, a minor leaguer, a college kid, a high school kid going into this offseason, not knowing the future of 2021, what advice would you give them mentally and physically what to do in the offseason?
4: Uh, the off season every day is the off season, And I, I just honestly feel because we can't control what tomorrow brings and all that we can do is the best that we can be every day is to take every day as if it's going to be your best day, uh, be the best you, prepare yourself for the way that you have to to be able to face what you're going to encounter every day um, and, and be comfortable and don't let anybody kill your dreams. You know, it, it, it I, I took a route to the big league that most guys never would have got an opportunity to do because faith, luck, prayers, and a whole lot of things got to line up for you, and that's just the way fate is. But if you give it everything that you have every day and just be the best that you can be and lay it all on the line and let that speak for itself, then you can live with the results because you cannot worry about the things that you cannot control. And just remember, there are a whole lot of people right now, no matter who you are and what you're going through, that have worse issues than you do. So that's why you and I, County, we cannot wake up not one day and start complaining because we're not worthy of that because there is someone always in a more dire need. And if a young kid, his only issue is what's going to happen with his baseball career, he does not really have a whole lot of problems. Remember that. But continue to dream. Don't let nobody outwork you. And don't let nobody tell you can't achieve what you want to achieve in this life.
0: I've been telling my wife and my kids every morning, get up, seize the day whether it's working out, whether it's school, win the day, seize the day, and we're all going to be better uh, once we get through this. And let's end on this. When you think about what you saw this year with the A's and you think about 2021, who's the one player that did whatever in your eyes this season that makes you the most excited to watch that player in 2021? (laughs)
4: well i don't think there were many surprises um because this was a team that's pretty much set and it wasn't a bunch of rookie impact but the one guy who i've admired and respected his ability and now that he appears to be healthy i thought they put a lot of weight on his shoulders toward the end of the year for him to do things that veterans don't normally do um, because we know in order to win, you got to have them horses. You know, they're the ones that carry the load and do the heavy lifting. But um, to watch um, Jesus Lazardo make it to the big league, get comfortable on the mound, I'm looking forward to this young man growing into being one of those upper rotation guys that he's been advertised to be.
0: And you know what? One more for you. Cody, get in here. Cody has an idea for A.J. Puck. I want Cody to float this idea and and want your professional opinion on uh, uh, on this uh, idea that Cody has.
3: All right, Judy. So uh, I'm curious to see what you think of this. A.J. Puck hasn't had the uh, start to his career, we all hope, of being a starting pitcher. But what do you think of this as the idea of him potentially being either a bridge guy in the bullpen or even being the closer for the A's if Liam Hendricks doesn't return next year?
4: I don't think, Cody, I, I don't think that's a crazy question at all. I mean, when I look at this guy, I mean, it's easy to dream that he's going to be Randy Johnson. I mean, they're gangly, they're different. It has to be very difficult to control the type of body that they're working with. Uh, you try to simplify things with them. Randy Johnson was a guy with electric fastball and learned how to drop that slider back on your back foot, and it was a wrap. But he never really had a lot of arm problems. And when a kid starts having arm injuries, I'm going to try to minimize uh, the impact that I have on him and put him in situations where he has a chance. Man, I know one thing, coming in there blowing at the end of the game and not having to worry about putting stress on your arm and you're going to get days off. um, I like that. Um, So I wouldn't say that that's something that's, you know, not out of the A's uh, mind at all, because this is a guy that, um, they've nurtured, they've watched him, they know him better than anybody else, and they pretty have a pretty good feel about what he might be in the future. But let's get him healthy, um, see if they can get his pitch count up. And I'm sure they're going to use him in that type of role coming out because the first thing they're not going to do is put a heavy load on him right away. And who knows, he may come out like that and flourish in that role, and that might be who he might be for the rest of his career. But I, I think that's a great, great question and a great point, and, and it'll be something that we'll see with A.J. Puck.
0: Yeah, Randy Johnson had a nice
4: little career. Wow, we I got some diamonds behind Randy Johnson, boy. Two thousand one, <laughs> Johnson. It was a rapsky, so bro. <laughs> you,
0: you remember the look on those on the Yankees' faces when he came in Game Seven? You're like, so he whoops you in Game Six, and then he comes out of the bullpen in Game Seven, and they show the the Yankees like, oh God, we got to deal with this guy again.
4: Let me tell you something. Do you think they went to some uh to to the stats on that one there did they have some data on that one right there? <laughs> you know what I mean did they i mean it's like Earl Herrscher's a pitching game one four and seven uh I don't think that's something that you could have backed up quantitatively there I mean that's something that takes place below the belt right there, man, and it has to be huge things going on man, so uh.
0: I got some analytics on Randy Johnson and Curt Schilling back in in, uh, those days. You can't hit them. That's the analytics. (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) All right, buddy. Be well, be safe, and I'm going to be calling you. Let's play some golf soon. I'm looking forward to it, Tony. Thanks for having me on, man, and uh, it's always a pleasure. Well, that do it for A's Unfiltered? We'd like to thank Sean Murphy, Bip Roberts, and Judy Babbitt. Now back to A's Cast, powered by iHeartRadio.
1: This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or...